welcome to another episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm your host, Jason Powers, down here in Tampa, Florida. As we approach the Thanksgiving holidays next week, hope everybody's has some plans for the holiday and has a little time off of work. Will be a uh, fun week down here in Tampa. I'm going to be here with the folks. I have to go. To, typically, go to two Thanksgivings down here. Typically, go to this year. Dad's going to be hosting. Then I'll head over to my mom's, and she'll be hosting a little Thanksgiving gathering as well. So, plenty of food and festivities for me down here as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday. Been a pretty interesting week or so in the world of college football, the NFL. A little bit of baseball news we're going to talk about concerning the uh, scandal of the Astros potentially cheating and providing signs to their players and such all the way back to 2017. So we're also going to do provide you some game picks. We are getting to the nitty-gritty of the college football season conference play is almost wrapping up and then we've got nfl action we're, we're getting to about the two-thirds pole of the nfl season week we're going into week 12 this week coming to the home stretch division titles playoff seedings all that kind of good stuff is starting to come into to shape let me give you a little update on who's doing what and such so Let's get to it. Interesting week last week. First, we're going to talk a little NFL. We'll talk some college football. Let's start off with the let's start off in the college game. The big story of the week: Tua Tungavailoa injured at Mississippi State. Alabama quarterback. Alabama number five in the current college football playoff rankings. You had LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia, the top four. Alabama number five. Six and seven were was Utah and Oregon. You had Oklahoma on the periphery. You had Minnesota. You got Penn State in the mix. Probably not in the mix to make it to the playoff, but they are in the top ten. So uh, pretty much getting some interesting scenarios potentially you know looks like you got Ohio State with a with this a matchup this week with Penn State you have LSU with a cakewalk over Arkansas Clemson gonna have a cakewalk Georgia should have a uh, has a has a has Texas A&M coming to Athens could be tricky but Georgia should get through the question is how will Alabama be judged moving forward with no two they they have one more big game left with Auburn in two weeks Thanksgiving weekend in Auburn Tua got injured in the second quarter of the game on Saturday versus Mississippi State questions arise about should Tua have been in the game what is you know is it Saban's fault First of all, the score was 35-7 to when he got injured. Sure, was Alabama going to lose the game? No. Starters played till halftime. I don't blame Nick Saban one iota for this injury to Tua. Starters typically play through the first half. Once the game is out of reach in the first half, when you're playing a, a legitimate opponent, they get them out of there in the third quarter. Plus, Alabama had to continue to score and, and look good for the committee. They could not have gotten through that game at Mississippi State with a 31-21 kind of game. They had to they had to pile on the points. 
after they had dropped out of the top four with their loss to LSU. So I'd have no no problem whatsoever with Tua being in the game. Uh, what I do have a problem with, and we're going to talk about from, from Tua's perspective, if you're Tua, you've had an ankle injury, you, you, you're still recovering from an ankle surgery, you're in the game in the final two minutes of the half for a two-minute drill. You know you're not 100%. My question is for Tua, and all this and this is kind of the, 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 mobile, the era of the mobile quarterbacks. Guys, when you're compromised a little bit from a physical perspective, i.e. not able to move around as well as you normally would, but still good enough to play and play well and all that good stuff, you can't extend, try to extend every play. You have to throw the ball away. Tua easily could have thrown the ball away prior to getting wrapped up from behind, obviously hurting his hip and having the the, the, the dislocated hip. And, and, you know, he's had surgery already on mo- Monday. A lot of people are trying to compare this injury with Bo Jackson. And, and again, hip injuries are very tricky, very, very tough to, to, to know how they're going to heal. And obviously from a quarterback perspective, you got to have your hips, your, you know, your, your, your bottom half of your body is so important as far as moving around and, and able to throw the ball. But mobile quarterbacks in today's age, day and age, they try to extend every play when the play's over. Throw the ball away. You, you're, you're two and you know you're compromised. Throw the ball away. It's not like on the play he got injured, he was making the throw down the field to a, to a, to a guy. He threw the ball away, but he threw it away two steps too late. Don't wait till you're getting wrapped up to throw the ball away. You got to throw the ball away. It's a two-minute drill. You're up 35-7. to seven. Throw the ball away. What do you notice about, you, you wonder why Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Rivers, Drew Brees, wonder why these guys don't get injured? It's because when the play's done, they throw the ball away. They don't wait till the absolute last second to throw it away. When they know the play is done, when the defense is won, throw the ball away. They're not taking unnecessary hits. They're not scrambling to where they're going to get hit from behind. Obviously, when you get hit from behind and you don't, you can't see what's coming, that's when the injuries happen. The rolled up ankles, the guys piling on. Throw the ball away, guys. And again, we are in the era of the mobile quarterback, the Lamar Jacksons, the Deshaun Watsons, the Tua's, the Kyler Murrays. They think they can make a play out of every play, and you can't. Sometimes, a lot of times, the defense wins. They they cut your routes off. They, 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 they're in a great defense. Whatever the case is, throw the ball away. So do I blame Nick Saban? Absolutely not. Not one bit. Do I blame Tua? No. But, again, if you're Tua, you know your team needs you. It's a 35-7 to game. If you end up having to punt on the two-minute drill, whoop-dee-doo, you punt. Throw the ball away. Now, obviously, the big questions as we move forward with Tua is how is this going to affect his draft status? He's had two ankle surgeries. He's had a obviously he's having this major hip surgery. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens in three months as we get around the combine. How healthy is Tua going to be? Is he going to be healthy in March? Is he going to be healthy healthy in April, May? How does this affect his draft stock? Might be the best thing that ever happens to him, to be honest with you. He may drop in the draft to where he's a mid to late first round draft pick. He's gonna cost he's gonna not make the money on the front end that he normally would have made if he would have been a top two or three pick. But he might get put in a situation where he gets drafted by a good team, a good organization, 
a good, you know, situation where he doesn't have to come in and play. San L.A. Chargers could be a situation. New Orleans Saints, the New England Patriots, somebody like that. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, I know Pittsburgh does not have a first-round draft pick, so that probably won't be a, in play. But he could get drafted. He could be in a perfect spot where he goes in the middle, middle to late first round. You know, the Chicago Bears, somebody like that could draft him. Somebody, somebody could draft him where he could, they could allow him to get fully healthy for a year or six or eight games of the season and be in a situation where he can come in and, th- and, and, and be successful. Whereas if he gets drafted by the Dolphins, the Bengals, the Redskins, somebody like that on the front end of the draft, he's gonna, the expectations are going to be through the roof. The, 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 the disregard to some degree for his, for his health is going to be compromised a little bit. I think Tua, this could be a blessing in disguise. Nobody, we, nobody wants Tua to have an injury and be debilitated, to, uh, you know. But he's had a string of injuries. He's going to be labeled injury prone. That's going to be a big issue. The medicals are going to be a big issue with Tua. The two ankle surgeries, the sh- the, the, the the leg, the shoulder, the the hip. So he hasn't played a ton of football either. I mean, he's played basically two years, two full years. So. Um, I hope for I hope for his sake he gets put into a good situation. Obviously, the first thing is he has to recover fully. Hopefully, that's that that's possible and that happens. Um, but tough situation for Alabama. Mac Jones steps in for Tua. How's he going to react? Is he they've got obviously they have to beat Auburn to even be in the discussion. And they're probably going to need to beat Auburn by a couple scores in Auburn to be a factor in the consideration for that fourth spot in the playoff. If Georgia wins out and they beat LSU in the championship game, LSU's going to the playoff. Georgia's going to the playoff. You're going to have Clemson and you're going to have Ohio State, so it's going to be a moot point. But if LSU beats Georgia and that fourth spot is still open, you're going to have a major discussion between one-loss Oregon Actually, a one-loss Pac-12 champion. If Oregon and Utah make the Pac-12 championship game with one loss, that'll be an elimination game. The loser of that game will be out. But the winner of the Pac-12 versus a potential one-loss Alabama with no Tua. That's going to be the discussion. I think Oklahoma's out of the mix. They don't have enough to get back in the mix. They had an unbelievable comeback in Waco last week, down 28-3 to early second quarter. Came back to win the game 34-31. Terrific. Fantastic comeback by Jalen Hurts and Lincoln Riley. But the defense is just not very good at Oklahoma. Um, I don't think that's going to be a situation where Oklahoma is going to have enough to get back into the mix as far as being a one-loss team. Um, Oregon, Utah. Again, both of them have to make the Pac-12 championship game with one loss to have any kind of chance. Oregon's got a tricky game this week with Arizona State. Utah still has to play uh, a game before they play Oregon. But again, the question's going to be, if, a, if it's a one-loss Oregon who lost to Auburn in week one, do they jump Alabama, who will, have, who will have beaten Auburn in Auburn at the end of the year? Or do you go with a one-loss Pac-12 champion over Alabama who didn't win their division in the SEC? Very interesting scenario, very interesting debate. I think it's going to come down right till you know. Um, 
Obviously, the, the result of the SEC championship game is going to play into that. You know, Oregon, Utah, Alabama, Oklahoma, they are all rooting for LSU to beat Georgia because if Georgia beats LSU in the SEC title game and Georgia has one loss, they're going to the playoff. It's going to be Georgia, LSU, probably, you know, obviously Clemson and Ohio State. Question is, can Ohio State afford a loss in the regular season but still win the Big Ten championship? Can, can Ohio State needs to beat Penn State this week because if they if they lose to Penn State this week and Penn State runs out, Penn State will win that division based on the tiebreaker with Ohio State. So Penn State has I mean Ohio State has to beat Penn State this week to control their own destiny. But let's say they beat Penn State this week and slip up next week against Michigan. Can a one loss Ohio State still go to the Big Ten championship game, beat presumably Minnesota in the championship game and still make it? To me, that's going to be tricky. I don't. I, I would not be supportive of necessarily a one-loss Ohio State winning the Big Ten to be an automatic to go to the playoff. That's where Alabama gets back in the mix. That's where the Big Ten, Twelve. I mean, the Pac-12 champion gets back in the mix. Potentially, Oklahoma gets back in the mix if you have a one-loss Ohio State uh, Big Ten champion. So there's still plenty of opportunity for some chaos, and I think there will be. Um, but again. This is not a great slate of college football this weekend. There's a, there's a couple of games to be of note. You have the you have early on Saturday. You have you have Penn State going to Columbus. Ohio State is a huge favorite. There's a chance that uh, Hamler doesn't play the big star wide receiver for Penn State. I just don't know if there, if Penn State has enough offense to score to keep up with Ohio State in Columbus. Um, you have, a, again, Oregon travels to Tempe to see Herm Edwards in Arizona State. Oregon should get through that game, but, again, it could be a tricky game in the desert. You never know. Herm's a very good X's and O's coach. He can get his guys up. You have Georgia hosting Texas A&M. Again, Georgia should should be fine there at home. But, again, Jimbo Fisher's got some players in, in College Station. I don't think they can win the game, but... It would, would it shock me if that game was close uh, going to the fourth quarter? It would not. You also have UCLA and USC. If you're Ares, if you're Oregon, if you're Utah, you want, you need, you need USC to, to, to win the game. And it would be nice if they won the game with some con convincingly because you need USC, who Oregon beat and who beat Utah. You need USC to be an eight and four team, to, again, to help their strength of schedule, to help their uh, uh, their their resume, as the as this playoff committee debates what to do with Alabama, Utah, Oregon in the event Georgia loses. So USC is going to have a lot of fans in Tempe with Oregon and in Utah. You still have a one-loss Baylor team against a one-loss Oklahoma team, which will probably be a rematch in the Big 12 championship game. Texas does go to Baylor this week, so there's a chance that Texas could beat Baylor and knock Baylor out. Um, and Oklahoma does not want that. Oklahoma wants to have to beat Baylor again, if, they, if, if it's at all possible. So, uh, again, you pretty much you pretty much have probably five teams that are battling for that fourth spot. Presuming Clemson doesn't lose, presuming Ohio State doesn't lose, and presuming LSU does not lose. So, um, again, 
there will be somebody will get upset that shouldn't lose. So it'll be interesting these next couple of weeks as we as we move along. How does how does the committee look at Alabama and how does the committee look at Utah and or the winner of Utah Oregon Big Pac twelve champion versus Alabama who won't play in the SEC championship game? We'll get to some picks here and just a, at the end of the show. We'll get into some college picks and some NFL picks, but. Again, that's kind of the college football landscape. You're going to have some coaching changes here pretty soon. USC plays their last game on Saturday, so don't be surprised if, if USC moves quickly to dismiss Clay Helton in order to get their search going. Obviously, Urban Meyer is going to be the number one target. There's also some speculation that James Franklin at Penn State is going to be a target as well in the event Urban says no. Um, so... Keep your eyes open for, for USC. They get, they just hired a new athletics director in the last couple of weeks. So I've, I'm pretty confident they're going to move quickly once their regular season's over. They're not going to wait till the bowl game's over. They're going to they're gonna move quickly. By probably early next week, you'll see a, an announcement in, at Southern Cal um, concerning uh, relieving Clay Helton of his duty. So, and you'll probably have a, you'll, you'll have a few, uh, you know, you'll have some, you have the Florida State situation developing. What What is Florida State going to do? Um, there's some speculation down here in Tampa about Charlie Strong potentially being uh, let go. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, there's some, There's been chatter all week about Muschamp at South Carolina. Is he going? Is he staying? Yada, yada, yada. All that kind of good stuff. Arkansas has already made a move. Interesting. They've re. It sounds like they've talked, reached out to Houston Nutt, who used to be the coach there, about possibly coming. I definitely can see the, the scenario where Arkansas will make a big run at Gus Malzahn, who who is at Auburn, who's a big Arkansas high school uh, legend of a coach. He's got Arkansas roots. They they've never really seemed to to, to love Gus in, in Auburn. They like him and can tolerate him and do all that. But if he gets beat by a couple touchdowns at Alabama. Next weekend, you will hear the you will, the ramp the rumor ramping will, will begin as far as potentially Gus Malzahn going to Arkansas. So uh, the silly season of coaching moves and carousels will begin here real soon uh, in the college football world. So keep your eyes open for that. All right, let's go to the. I'm going to drop in this baseball note first, and then we'll go to the NFL cheating scandal with the Astros. If you haven't kept up there's uh, reports of a back in 2017 the Astros are being accused with a lot sounds like a lot of facts that they were stealing signs using technology and video cameras and all that kind of stuff out in center field and that they were relaying the signs from their dugout to their batters at the uh, at bat there's video that's come out that's shown you know Banging on the dugout indicates one sign, and, and noises make indicate another sign to where their championship in 2017 is very much um, being uh, they are being blasted left and right by people for basically cheating for knowing what what pitch is coming. Uh, remember, they won the the World Series on the road in Los Angeles. They beat the Dodgers, but still. Rampant speculation that they're going to get nailed by the commissioner, Rob Manford. Uh, obviously, if they were cheating in 2017 and didn't get caught, the odds are they were cheating in 2018 and 2019. They've been, uh, you know, they're not, they've not been the model franchise here lately. The, the, the assistant GM got fired for his comments concerning uh, Antonio Asuna's uh, domestic assault situation related to women. He made a comment in front of a bunch of women at the, 
in the playoff game, he was re- released. Lunau was from the Cardinal organization where they were, you know, there were some files got stolen several years ago when Lunau took the Houston job. There was some hacking and all that stuff. And so it's just a big mess. Um, if Houston is found, which there sounds like they are, it's, I don't think there's any doubt that they were, they were they're, being, they're being caught cheating. They need to pay a severe price for this. The franchise should be fined five to ten million dollars because think about it: all these playoff games, all these additional playoff games, is just money, money, money in in, in, these, in the owner's pocket, Crane Jim Crane's pocket. For every playoff game, you probably make at least half three quarters to a million dollars in gain in profit with ticket sales, concessions, parking, all that good stuff. Probably making a million dollars a game. Um, in, for every playoff game that you're in, you have A.J. Hinch uh, is, was knowingly knew about what was going on. The players knew about what's going on. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna kill the players because if the players are being fed information, most of the time they're not gonna, you know, I don't hold them uh, responsible. Mike Fires, the former pitcher for the Astros, came out and said, "Yeah, we were cheating. We knew the signs. We were relaying the signs to our batters and such." So. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that they are that they're gonna that they've they're, they've gotten caught cheating. It's just a matter of what the penalty is gonna be. In my opinion, the GM needs to be suspended for a year, kind of like what the NFL and Goodell did to Sean Payton with the Bounty Gate situation. Um, a year for the general manager. I think AJ Hinch, who who's culpable as well, he should be getting he should get an 80 game suspension as well as being suspended for the playoffs, kind of like a a player gets suspended for for a failed drug test. If they fail a drug test in a given year, they're suspended 80 games, plus they're they're ineligible for playoff uh, consideration to play in the playoffs. So I think at minimum, A.J. Hinch should get 80 games, plus a playoff um, ban for next year. Find the organization, probably 5 to $10 million, and then I think you strip away uh, at least one first-round draft pick from the from the from, from the club moving forward. You just can't have it. You can't have this kind of. I know technology is great and and all that. If you're able to steal signs without the technology, fine, go ahead and do that. But if you're knowingly cheating, using cameras, illegal technology, illegal cameras, positioned in certain places, so you know what's coming, you can't have that uh, to, to to compromise the integrity of the game. Um. You know, this is a different era, even from from Spygate with the Patriots back in 2007. It's even different now because kind of it was a no. It was a uh, you, you just can't do that. You know, this you, you cannot compromise. In game cheating is is you know somewhat a little bit different than than football because the football they were they were filming walkthroughs and things like that practices. Um, you know, in-game, real-time cheating, where you knew, where you were relaying them from the dugout, what pitch was coming to the batter at the at, at in the box, that's a different animal than 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 maybe stealing a, stealing football signals that you can use in the next series or in the second half of a game or next week. So, uh, Manford better nail them good, um, and you better be swift with it because you can't allow that to happen. Um, so. On to the National Football League. And obviously the controversy of the week was centered around Miles Garrett and the brawl that happened last Thursday night in Cleveland versus the Steelers. 
again, here's 21-7, eight seconds left in the game. Pittsburgh, for some stupid reasons, are running a screen pass. As he throws the screen pass, Miles Garrett wraps up Mason Rudolph, takes him to the ground, probably unnecessarily. As he's on the ground, Rudolph's, Rudolph's buried under Garrett. Rudolph starts grabbing towards the face mask and towards the, the, the helmet, attempting to rip off the helmet, doesn't rip it off, trying to get off out from underneath of Garrett. They get separated. Garrett rips off Rudolph's helmet, gets separated from the player, then swings the helmet and clips Mason Rudolph on, with the underside of the helmet on the, on the head. You know, if that helmet is turned the other direction and hits him with the crown of the helmet on his head square, Rudolph would have probably had, had a severe head injury. Could have killed him, to be honest with you. When you get hit with a helmet with that kind of force coming down from a guy Miles Garrett's size, remember Garrett's probably 6'4", 270, 275 with that force of that helmet, that you could have had a disaster on your hands at the end of that game in Cleveland. Massive, uh, you know, Garrett was suspended indefinitely by the NFL. Ogunjobi, which is a defensive uh, lineman for the, for the Cleveland with a cheap shot, just an absolute cheap shot against Miles after the fact. You have uh, Pouncey, the center for the Steelers, kind of in, de in defense of, of Mason Rudolph, kicks the Cleveland, kicks Garrett, punching Garrett. He got three games. Rudolph did not get any games. Ogunjobi got one game suspension, which he deserved absolutely. The uh, just an ugly situation in Cleveland. You can't not you can't take your helmet if once the helmet gets taken off. It's the unwritten rule of, of, of you know professional football. You do not continue to, to, to fight with when a guy doesn't have a helmet on. Um, just totally classless, total uh, loss of control by Miles Garrett, and he deserved to be suspended for a long, long time. He has been suspended by the NFL through the remainder of the 2019 season, including the playoffs. Um, he just had his appeals hearing, and the decision was to uphold his indefinite suspension. So he will definitely be suspended through the 2019, the rest of the remainder of 2019, which is going to be six games for him, plus any playoffs. I believe Garrett's going to get suspended at least eight games, if not ten so I think he's going to get at least two more games going into 2020. I think it's going to be anywhere from two to four games. Garrett came out uh, today with the accusation that Mason Rudolph used a racial slur towards him, which you know, which instigated the activity that that led led to the brawl. Not one Steeler, not one Brown has corroborated that, and, and, and to me, I, I have a hard time believing that when you wait seven days after the incident to to bring up the racial connotation in this situation. Didn't tell anybody after the game. Didn't Had, had two opportunities when he spoke to the media. Did not say at any point, hey, he called me a you-know-what. He did this. Not one, one reference to a, a racial slur was mentioned. So I think, I think the NFL is going to take that into consideration too, that he uh, invoked this uh, the, the the racial card into this situation where not one nobody on either team has has come out and said hey yeah he said that or I heard him say that or hey he's got a history of in the locker room at practice or whatever of being uh, malicious towards African American players I think it's an absolute clown show for Garrett to, to make that to make that claim 
It's desperation, and I think the NFL ought to nail him even more for, for making that accusation because nothing Mason Rudolph can say is going gonna, is gonna to appease everybody and it's putting him in a terrible spot where he's being accused of something that absolutely has zero evidence and zero um, ability to, uh, to defend himself. So it, puts, it makes that situation even more uh, contentious. The Browns and the Steelers play Thanksgiving weekend in Pittsburgh. Pouncey will be suspended for that game. Garrett will be suspended, but Mason Rudolph will play. Uh, Ogan Joby will play in that game, but uh, just a bad situation at all in Cleveland. And Garrett's going to pay a dear price for what he did. Uh, and if you're again, if you're Goodell, you have to you have to make the penalty so severe where there's not any chance that this is going to happen again by another player because you cannot have players swinging helmets uh, at other players to potentially kill them. And a, and a direct shot helmet to head with the crown of the helmet could kill somebody. So um, can't have that under any circumstance. And if you're Goodell, you have to make sure the penalty is so severe that nobody's going to do that again. And to me, six games is not quite enough. I think he needs to get eight to ten games. So I do think Miles Garrett is going to be suspended into the, into the 2020 season from two to four games into the 2020 season. All right, so... That was the big, that was the off the field. Let's talk about a couple on-field situations. You had a huge comeback at Minnesota, down 20 to nothing. Tremendous comeback by Kirk Cousins against the Denver Broncos. You have Phillip Rivers. What a disaster on Monday night in Mexico City. Throws four interceptions. The Chiefs squeak out a win in Mexico City, 24-17. Rivers throws a game-ending pick in the end zone, which was terrible in the last 25 seconds of the game. Uh... News out of that game, Tyreek Hill injured. Uh, Mahomes, very average in the game. Kansas City and San Diego or L.A. both go to a bye week. The question is, is Phillip Rivers done? He's thrown seven picks in the last two games. He looks old. Last year of his contract with the Chargers, Chargers going into a new stadium, do, do they make the decision to stay with Rivers one more year, two more years, or do they go in a different direction, maybe draft a guy, maybe a guy like Tua? You go into a new stadium with a new quarterback, all that kind of good stuff. Questions to be asked there. Patriots' offensive woes are becoming more and more evident. They win a game 17-10 to in Philadelphia. The defense is tremendous, but the offense with, with just Brady just does not have a lot of help. The offensive line is struggling. They do get their left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, back this week against the Cowboys, but uh, – just not a lot of not a lot of threats on the outside at the receiving core. Mohamed Sanu is injured now. Uh, Sony Michelle not able to get the running game going. Edelman's Edelman, but you got to have some help. He needs a speed throw. They just have no speed on the outside. Don't have any help at tight ends. Uh, Gronk kind of made it clear that he's not coming back this year. So interesting to see how the Patriots piece it together the rest of the year. They got a great defense, tremendous defense. You know. Can Brady can Brady score twenty four points a week? He's going to need that. They, they got a tough, you know, run of games coming up here. They got Houston coming up. They got the Cowboys this week. They got the Chiefs coming up. So they got three tough games in a row before their last couple games are, are kind of cakewalks heading to the playoffs. But I think they'll figure out a way to get it together. You'll probably see more of Nikhil Harry, the first round draft pick at receiver. They got. Hopefully Isaiah Wynn is the is it will be a difference maker on that offensive line to get that running game going, but you gotta get that running game going to help Brady. 
make the passing game a little bit easier and a little bit less congested because they are just having a tough time getting separation because they're not able to run the ball. So Mitch Trubisky continues to have problems for the Bears. A bizarre kind of end of the game Sunday night in L.A. where he kind of got taken out with about three minutes to go in the game, down 17-7. Claims there was a hip injury. Yeah, you know, what are you going to, you know, he probably did have a little bit of an injury, but could he have gone back in the game? Probably. A lot of, lot of questions have to be answered in Chicago with the selection of Mitch Trubisky. Just has not developed, has not progressed this year, gone backwards. Passed on Mahomes, passed on Deshaun Watson in order to trade up to get Mitch Trubisky. Just an ugly situation developing. You know, there's going to be some quarterbacks available this offseason. Cam Newton, most likely. Maybe Jameis Winston. Maybe Phillip Rivers. There's going to be options out there. Andy Dalton will probably be available. So, there's options out there for the Bears. But, you know, it's, it's getting ugly in a hurry in Chicago with Trubisky at quarterback. So, uh, we'll be interested to see how that how that situation unfolds as we move forward. Did you see the Did you see the bad beat last week? Arizona, San Francisco. Arizona's down four points. Last play of the game in San Francisco. Spreads ten. San Francisco's a ten point favorite. Last play of the game, they throw about a five or six yard pass. They start throwing it backwards, laterally, and all that good stuff like they do at the end of the game. Arizona throws it backwards. It's a loose ball on the ground. All they got to do is somebody jump on the ball or fall on the ball or go out of bounds and the game's over. But somehow the ball out of the bottom of the pile gets thrown backwards, and the San Francisco defender picks it up and walks in the end zone. Now we have a four-point game that goes to 10. They don't kick the extra point. If you had Arizona plus 9.5, plus 10, and didn't buy it up to 10.5, you took a horrific beat. Um, if you had San Francisco and you bought the game down to 9.5, what a what a lucky W. But, you know, some of these things are so bizarre and how they, how they unfold. It's just, it's just incredible. Lamar Jackson, tr- great effort. A lot of people thought last week was going to be a tricky game with Houston, with Deshaun Watson. Lamar Jackson just continues to elevate himself in the MVP race. Pretty much, it's a three-way, it's a three-horse race, from in my opinion, for the MVP between Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, and Christian McCaffrey. Russell was off last week. Lamar Jackson just continues to ascend, running plays. He's throwing the ball very well, leading his team. They beat in consecutive weeks the Patriots, and then they beat the uh, Bengals, and they beat the Houston Texans. They throttled the Texans. Speaking of the Texans. Very, very, very dubious no-call pass interference early in the game when when Hopkins gets wrapped up in the end zone basically and thrown to the ground before the ball gets there. No call on the field. No call after a challenge. I mean, just I I, I don't know what, the, what 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 I don't know what the what what's going on in New York. What edict has been sent down from Roger Goodell to Al Riveron or what's going on, but. How they don't reverse that call and call that pass interference last week in, in Baltimore, I'll, I'll never know. Um, it may be a thumbs up to to that rule in general that the NFL is trying to hopefully make this a one year rule where this with this ability to challenge pass interference calls goes away. If you recall, the rule came up based on the New Orleans Rams NFC Championship game last year, but just a hideous no call in that game and. 
these the coaches around the league are just in in, in disbelief about what 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 is it going to take to overturn a, a pass interference call, especially one that was that egregious. And I, and I I don't I don't know what to tell them because coaches are challenging left stuff left and right. And nothing ever gets overturned. How that doesn't get how the one in Houston between Houston and Baltimore last week with Hopkins doesn't get overturned. I'll never know, but that's the way it is. Officiating. My high school season's over. Got two rounds in the playoffs. No more games for me. High school, Florida high school, quarterfinals this week in all over the state of Florida. And JP will be sitting at home, unfortunately. Shouldn't be, but I'm going to be sitting home this week. No playoff game for me. Week three. But I do get to call the Super Bowl, youth Super Bowl game on Saturday at one Skyway Park here in Tampa, Florida. I can say I did a Super Bowl. It's not the right Super Bowl, but it's a Super Bowl here in Tampa. No rings, no no congratulations, just a pat on the back and a couple dollars in the pocket for a Super Bowl game here in Tampa, Florida. Skyway Park, Turf Field, Saturday afternoon. All right, let's get to some picks. We'll go over some NFL. We'll go over some four or five college games, and then we'll go over we'll go through the NFL slate. All right, Memphis at South Florida. South Florida with a heartbreaking loss last week against Cincinnati. Ranked Cincinnati. South Florida misses four field goals. Charlie, I can help you. Give me a call, Charlie. www.ikickthefootball.com. I'm your guy. I can fix it. Four missed field goals. South Florida loses to Cincinnati on a kick at the gun. They host Memphis this week. Memphis and Cincinnati are fighting it out in the AAC for a potential at-large New Year's, New Year's Day Bowl situation. Um, Memphis 14-and-a-half. I could see – this is a tough one here because South Florida, was South Florida so drained last week that they're going to get just run out of the gym this week? Or can South Florida answer the bell again and come up with another big effort to keep the game close? I'm going to say Memphis wins by 14. Two touchdowns, competitive game, but it ends up being 14. So right on the number. Michigan goes to Indiana. Bloomington, my former home, graduate of Indiana University, class of 97, master's program. I loved it up in Bloomington for my year that I was there. The Hoosiers, they are going bowling. They are hosting Michigan, who's on a little bit of a roll now. Indiana's going bowling as well. They're playing very, very well up in Indiana. Took Penn State to the wire last week. Super competitive. Their quarterback is from Tampa, Mr. Penix. Um, I think he might be injured now, but he was a catalyst for them early in the year, and he'll be a big player for them moving forward. Michigan with Ohio State next week. Laying nine and a half in Bloomington. Tricky here because, you know, you look at it and you say nine and a half. I think Michigan will figure out a way to get it done. Michigan's very strong defensively. The offense is coming around. Give me Michigan minus the nine and a half in Bloomington. You got A&M going to Georgia. Georgia laying 13. CBS 330 Saturday between the hedges. Georgia's going to win the game, but it will be a competitive game. I think Georgia wins the game. Go to a couple more here. Oregon laying 14 at Arizona State. Herm, Mario Cristobal. You got Justin Herbert. 
Give me Arizona State in the 14 to keep it close. I think Oregon wins the game, but I could see this being a 10-point ball game. In the desert, in Tempe, good job by Herm. Getting his boys in the game, keep them in the game. Arizona State's lost a bunch of close games this year. So I do think uh, Arizona State loses the game, but I think they cover the number. UCLA and USC, USC's minus 14. I like UCLA in the 14 here. Chip Kelly, has he's kind of righted the ship in, in uh, Westwood. You got Clay Helton on the verge of getting fired. USC's got elite talent at wide receiver that make, concerns me a little bit but i think again huge rivalry game here give me ucla in the 14 i'll take them and that is kind of the, the, the again the slate is a little thin this week next week you're gonna have, you got penn state and ohio state penn state's getting 18 or 19 at in columbus ohio state's gonna get busy here they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna need to run the score up they're gonna win the game I think Penn State will lose. Ohio State wins the game by 24. Interesting side note: you're going to have College Game Day there from ESPN, and you're going to have the Fox pregame there. So it'll be an interesting dynamic of how all that works out as far as who's going to Game Day, who's going to the Fox pregame show, all that kind of good stuff. So that'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Um, sounds like Ohio State's not real happy that College Game Day is there. For I'm not sure what the reason for that is, but Game Day and Fox will both be there. Fowler and Herb Street will then get on a private jet with the Bear, and they'll head out to the desert to see Arizona State and Oregon Saturday night. So, but game day will be in Columbus next week. You have some humongous game rivalry games. You got Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Auburn. You're gonna have, uh, you know, Georgia's playing Georgia Tech, where that won't be a game, but a couple interesting games that'll definitely have some impact on the uh, college football playoffs. So. NFL, Thursday night mania tonight in Houston. You got the Colts getting three and a half against Houston. I kind of like the I like the three and a half tonight. I think I think this could be a three-point game. I think Brissett's gonna be good. Marlon losing Marlon Mack to a hand injury is gonna, gonna, gonna hurt you. But if fantasy-wise, if you didn't pick up Jonathan Williams, he could be an interesting player tonight for the Colts at running back. Uh, Houston coming off a throttling by the Ravens in Baltimore, lost 41 to, I think it was 41 to 7 or 41 14 last week. Interesting game in the AFC South. Both teams come in 6 and 4. Again, I think Houston might win the game by a field goal late, but I'll take the Colts in the 3.5. Miami goes to Cleveland. I like Cleveland. Denver goes to Buffalo. Buffalo only minus 3.5. That's scary. That's a little. Odd. Denver played really well last week at Minnesota. Back-to-back -back road games. Buffalo keeps beating the teams they're supposed to beat. Give me Buffalo again in a close one. Pittsburgh goes to Cincinnati. I'll take the Steelers. Giants go to Chicago. Giants coming off a bye week. All the you know all the all the rumor controversy. All the all the noise coming out of Chicago with Trubisky. Not sure what's going to happen there. I, I, I could see this being a game. Uh, I think Chicago's defense will be good enough. So give me the Bears at home uh, to win the game. I think, and they'll cover the number. Very tricky game in New York. The Raiders come to, to see the Jets. Everybody's all over the Raiders here. Minus three. Look out. The Jets are, are sneaky playing well late the last couple weeks. Darnold's playing pretty well. On the offense is moving the ball. Since he's come back from his mono, he start, he's playing very well. Uh, but Oakland, 
well-rounded offensive team. Big offensive line, big running game. Defense is okay, not great by any means. There'll be some points scored in this game, I think. So uh, I like the over in this game, 46, unless the weather's bad. Be on the lookout for what the weather's like on Sunday. Bad weather favors Oakland in the running game. But this is a tricky game here, Oakland minus three. Carolina heads to New Orleans. New Orleans took care of the Bucks last week here in Tampa. Four more picks for my boy Jameis Winston. Carolina laid a major egg at home against Atlanta last, last week. Stung me a little bit in the in the pocketbook, as well as King of the Hill. So New Orleans minus nine and a half. Again, that's a big number. It's a division game. I think New Orleans wins the game. I don't have an opinion on the number. Bucks, my Bucks, Jameis going to Atlanta to see my ex-coach Dirk Cutter, who's now the offensive coordinator of the Falcons. The Falcons have played great the last two weeks, especially defensively. They throttled the Saints and they throttled the Panthers. Bucks go to Atlanta, minus three and a half. Matt Ryan should have a, have a good day throwing the ball. Tampa Bay needs to run the ball. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Minimize the throws Jameis has to make. Make them much more easy throws that the guys has to make. Run Ronald Jones. Atlanta's defense ain't great. They've played well for two weeks, but run the ball more consistently, Bruce Arians. Give me Tampa Bay plus the three and a half. I'm a homer, I know, but I'll take my bucks plus three and a half. Detroit heads to Washington, minus three and a half against the Redskins. Haskins is the starter. Driscoll's the starter for Detroit. He actually played pretty well last week against Dallas. Washington is just terrible on offense. Give me Detroit to win the game. New running back in Detroit, fantasy purposes, Bo Scarborough. It's about the fourth running back Detroit's used this week. He actually played pretty well last week. Bo Scarborough on the, all you fantasy geeks, if you need a player, I'm sure he's been gobbled up by now, but Bo Scarborough could be a sneaky good start this week. Jacksonville, Nick Foles back in the mix, head to Tennessee to see Tannehill and the Titans. Tannehill actually has played really well since he's been inserted in the lineup. I think they're 3-1 and one since he's been in the lineup. I like Tennessee here, coming off a bye week, laying the three and a half at home. Foles played okay last week against the Colts, but the got gashed on the running game. I could see, I, I definitely will see. You'll see a lot of Derrick Henry this week. Play action by Tannehill. You mean the Titans at home minus the three and a half? Cowboys heading to New England. I mean, I told you the Patriot rules were in effect last week against the Eagles, and that that delivered. New England minus six and a half at home against the Cowboys. Cowboys may have one of the top four, three or four rosters in the NFL. Dak playing out of his mind through 440 yards last week, four touchdowns. Brady coming home. The defense for New England is really, really good. I like the Patriots at home. I would tease them. I like a teaser with either the Steelers or the Browns at home. But I like the Patriots at home. Hard to hard to bet against Tom Brady at home. I mean, it really is. I know Prescott's been, been lighting it up. Elliott's not been running great, but they're still moving the ball. But if you're going to compare Belichick versus uh, Jason Garrett or Belichick versus Kellen Moore, give me Belichick. I think the Patriots will figure it out. Dallas is not very good on defense here lately. This could be a get-healthy game for the Patriot offense with Isaiah Winback. Look out for Nikhil Harry, potentially, to have a good game. 
Sanu's already been ruled out with a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out several weeks. Harry got integrated into the offense last week with a couple catches. Look for more and more Nikhil Harry this week. Philly hosting Seattle, a very a do-or-die game for the Eagles. Eagles need this game in the worst way. Eagles at home, minus one against Seattle. I like the Eagles at home. Seattle coming off a bye week. Got to travel cross-country. Give me Philadelphia at home in a must-win game. And Sunday night, great game out in San Francisco. The Green Bay Packers come a-calling to see the 49ers. San Fran minus three. They've been skating by the last couple of weeks. Jimmy G had a uh, game-winning drive late last week to beat the Cardinals. The defense has been a little bit a little bit shakier the last couple of weeks. I like Green Bay on the road coming off a of bye week. Two weeks to get ready. And obviously, I like Rodgers uh, orchestrating the offense. I think the Packers win the game outright. But they're also getting three points, too. And then Monday night, the Monday night game this week. The Rams host the Ravens. Very interesting game there out in L.A. Kind of a kind of a uh, do-or-die game for the Rams as well. The Ravens are due for a letdown. They've been rolling. Lamar Jackson's been rolling. You know, tricky game here with the running attack. The, the front four of, of the Rams, can they contain that running attack? The Ravens' defense has been playing really well, while the Rams' offense has really been struggling. Should get a little boost back this week with the return of Robert Woods as well as Brandon Cooks. That should help open up the middle of the field for Cooper Cup. Gurley actually ran okay last week against the Bears, but you got to have a running game in order to have that play action and golf get set up. I like the Rams Monday night for some reason. I don't know why, but I like the Rams. I think this could be a, you know, everybody's talking Lamar Jackson. Everybody's talking how great he's doing. Every, he's due for a game where he doesn't play as well. Whether it's throwing the ball, whether it's the running attack gets shut down, give me the Rams and the points at home Monday night. All right, that's the it. The end of the Powers on Sports podcast for another episode. I appreciate it. I'm your host, Jason Powers. Reach out to us at Kick the Football, Kick the FB on Twitter, at Kick the FB if you want to send us a note. Reach out on email, sportspowers at yahoo.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe or you know, tell your friends. Forward it to your friends through Facebook, Twitter, uh, all the, the podcast platforms that you're listening to us on, whether it's Stitcher, Apple, Google, uh, iTunes. We appreciate it. Let us know how we're doing. I want, I want your input. Love to hear from you. And have a great week, and we'll be here with you next week for a podcast right before Thanksgiving. Have a great weekend, everybody. Winner, winner, chicken dinner.